Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everybody, thank you for downloading another episode of the Cherry Picking Podcast. I want to welcome you into the show. I'm your host, Andre Cherry, and I cannot wait to recap week three college football action with you all on this podcast today, and then we'll also preview week four. Week three, we'll start this podcast off recapping my locks of the weekend, so my top five locks within the Power Five conferences in the ACC, I had Virginia Tech over West Virginia, and boy, did this loss hurt. West Virginia got the victory over Virginia Tech by a score of 27-21, to and this is a matchup of old Big East rivals, and we get this matchup in week three of the season, and it was, it was close. Like I said, they kept it within six points here, and West Virginia, they got out to a huge lead in this game, though. They got out to a 24-7 to lead. In this matchup before halftime, Virginia Tech was able to claw itself back to score 14 points in the second half, while the Hokies' defense limited the Mountaineers to just a field goal in the third quarter. West Virginia tailback Letty Brown, this guy had a monster day. He rushed for 161 yards on 19 carries with one touchdown. And West Virginia quarterback Jarrett Doge threw for 193 yards on 15 for 25 passing with two touchdowns and one interception. So the West Virginia offense was clicking on full cylinders during this matchup on Saturday against the Virginia Tech Hokies. The West Virginia defense, they also did its job in this matchup, putting pressure on Virginia Tech quarterback Braxton Burmeister. As a unit, the Mountaineers defense had six sacks and 10 tackle for losses. Certainly, you you don't want your defense to give up points in the second half like they did, but they were able to do just enough to hold Virginia from winning this game. Virginia Tech had only allowed three touchdowns in their first two games, but gave up two quick touchdowns to West Virginia. So this weekend, or this week rather, the Virginia Tech D is going to have to do some self-reflection here and figure out what they need to do to correct some mistakes to push ahead for their upcoming ACC schedule. So the Mountaineers took back the Black Diamond Trophy for the first time since 2003. And this trophy between these former Big East rivals was introduced in 1997 and is a play on the region's rich history with coal. So in the ACC, I got a loss this weekend, West Virginia over Virginia Tech. In the Big Ten, I got another L here. I had originally picked Northwestern over Duke in the Nerd Bowl or the Future Leaders of America Bowl or whatever name you want to call this matchup between these two very highly intelligent universities. I thought Northwestern would win this game. I was wrong. Duke got the victory 30-23. to Duke outgained Northwestern 558 yards to 417, which also includes over 200 yards rushing, which is insane to think that Duke is putting up that amount of offense in a game against Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern. This team won the Big Ten last year. I thought they'd put up more of a fight in this matchup, but I was wrong. 
The Blue Devils scored three touchdowns in the first quarter, and its defense managed to hold Northwestern off to secure the victory. If you can believe it or not, Northwestern turned the ball over five times in this game. I tried to look back to see the last time they had that many turnovers, and I couldn't find the last time they did that five times. Northwestern is a very disciplined team. Pat Fitzgerald almost coaches his team like a like an army. Like he, it's almost like the military, the way that he coaches and instructs his team. So for them to not have discipline and turn the ball over five times in a game, uh, that's that's no good, my friends. After this contest, Coach Pat Fitzgerald did have some comments in regards to those turnovers, and I quote, I would like to stop doing what losing teams do. Losing teams turn the ball over. Losing teams have self-inflicted wounds. Losing teams give up explosive plays. Losing teams have communication issues. That's why you lose games. This is not hard. I'm not trying to discredit Duke, but we gift-wrapped it for them. End quote. So Northwestern gift-wrapped a victory to Duke. And all he's saying is there's some things that we can turn around here. These were self-inflicted wounds, turning the ball over, penalties. You know, that's stuff that losers do. And he's not a loser. He's very successful at Northwestern. Northwestern is a team that has been pretty consistent, I would say, for the most part. They're usually a consistent squad within the Big Ten West. And for them to lose the way that they did, only 30-23 to 23 with these five turnovers, that, that tells me they had a shot to win this game. They were in this game. And when you have those self-inflicted wounds like that, by turning the ball over five times to Duke, you are bound to lose, which is what happened here in the future leaders of America Bowl. So that's uh, that's no good for Northwestern. Uh, a total of three quarterbacks saw action for the Wildcats in this game due to an injury to Andrew Marty. So Coach Fitzgerald will need to figure out who will get the starting nod for his Wildcats this upcoming weekend. But that was no good. I got the loss there in the Big Ten. In the Big 12, I did get a victory. Baylor over Kansas. Baylor beat the breaks off of the Jayhawks by a score of 45-7. to This game was total domination by the Baylor Bears. As a team, they outgained Kansas 576 yards to 166, which includes 307 yards of rushing. That is video game. That's video game numbers right there. 307 yards of rushing as a team. That's insane. With that rushing attack, Baylor was able to control the time of possession, 33 minutes to Kansas's 26. The Bears also had 28 first downs compared to the Jayhawks' 8. So the defense for Baylor came up big. They came up like gangbusters in this matchup against Kansas. Baylor's quarterback Jerry Bohannon had a solid day on Saturday. He went 19 for 23, throwing for 269 yards and two touchdowns. Their running back for Baylor, Abraham Smith, their running back at Baylor, Abram Smith, had 122 yards rushing on 16 carries with one touchdown. And as a team, the running back unit scored four total touchdowns. So they had a tremendous day on the ground. And they are able to make slight work over the Kansas Jayhawks by a score of 45-7. to They get the victory. I got the victory this week with my locks. So that was my first victory out of the Power 5 locks for Week 3 action. And in the Pac-12, I thought this would be an easy win for UCLA. Fresno State, you know, I'll give them their credit. They have played really well this season. But I thought UCLA was on another level. I was wrong. UCLA lost very close matchup, 40-37 to 
to Fresno State. Fresno State quarterback Jake Hayner had a day. He threw for 455 yards on 39 of 53 passing with two touchdowns and one interception. The time of possession in this game, Fresno State had the ball for over 40 minutes, if you can believe it or not. That's insane. Hayner's favorite targets of the day were wide receiver Jalen Cropper and Josh Kelly. Cropper caught 14 balls for 141 yards with one touchdown. Kelly hauled in eight passes for 120 yards, so these guys were balling out. Their running back at Fresno State, Ronnie Rivers, rushed for 136 yards on 21 carries with two touchdowns. So Fresno State, they had quite the offense over UCLA. I would have thought UCLA would have that firepower from what we've seen them do in the first uh, few games of the season. But Fresno State took advantage. They jumped out to a 23-10 lead before halftime. But UCLA was able to rally back, scoring 27 points in the second half. So a little bit of a slow start for UCLA. But they were able to claw themselves back. It just wasn't enough. UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson, he threw for 278 yards with three touchdowns and no interceptions. And the Bruins were able to rally back in this game due to just due to some turnovers by the Bulldogs. The game had four lead changes over the last seven minutes and 27 seconds, but Fresno State was able to secure the upset victory over a ranked UCLA squad. UCLA hadn't been ranked in quite some time before this week, and I'm not sure if they will be ranked again. I... I I'm recording this podcast before the AP Top 25 rankings come out, so I, I don't know if they will be ranked for this week or not, but it had been quite some time since they were ranked before. So, tough loss for UCLA. Fresno State, if you can believe it or not, their quarterback, Jake Hayner, I'd mentioned him before, he has thrown for over 300 yards in three of the Bulldogs' first four games this season he leads the nation with over 1400 passing yards so this is going to be a guy keep your you know keep your eyes on because this is a guy that is a Heisman hopeful you know depending on how Fresno State is able to finish out the season this is definitely a guy that will be in the mix there I would imagine UCLA they're gonna have to clean up their pass defense for sure and cut down on the penalties if they hope to bounce back before they get into Pac-12 play I mean this is a team that i thought was going to be better than this and Fresno State I'm not trying to take any credit away from them but UCLA needs to just roll with it especially as they get ready to head into Pac-12 play this is not a loss that you want on your resume but they have a chance to turn it around if they can do it we'll have to wait and see so I got the loss there if you're taking score at home I right now I'm one in three this weekend in my top five locks was rounded out with the sec i had georgia over south carolina georgia didn't let me down they got the victory over the gamecocks 40 to 13 bulldogs quarterback jt daniels he looked really impressive in this win over south carolina on saturday quarterback went 23 for 31 for 303 yards three touchdowns and only one interception and the georgia defense came up big as well they forced two turnovers and held the Gamecocks to 82 yards rushing for the game so Georgia is looking pretty legit Florida is looking pretty good despite the loss to Alabama Bama's looking good I mean if I was on the committee I would have a hard time leaving out these SEC squads from the playoff I mean SEC year over year is the best conference and these teams these three teams specifically look like they are worthy 
of getting into the playoffs if we were to end things today. If the season ended today, I would probably have Alabama, I would have Georgia, Florida in the playoff, and I would also probably have Oregon in the playoff as well as of today. I'm excited to see how this season shakes out. I mean, because we've got, we've already had some great games, some great matchups, and I think there could be huge implications for the postseason, for the playoffs, already through just three weeks of the season. And this is before we get into regular conference play. So really exciting start to the college football season. It's been long overdue. I know we've we've all kind of been miserable getting through this COVID situation and it's still out there. It's still very much a pandemic, but I feel like last season really wasn't a, a true football season. Sure, it was shortened. Sure, the, the schedules were confined to conference only for the most part. I feel like we are finally getting a full platter of college football, and these these games through three weeks have been phenomenal. If we look ahead, though, to my week four locks, let's just let's just go ahead and dive right in here. In the ACC, I'm taking NC State over Clemson. You go big or you go home. NC State is my team. You know I love them. They need to do it. They have the opportunity here. Clemson is ripe for the taking. This is the weekend to upset Clemson. I'm taking NC State over the Tigers. The Wolfpack, they're my boys. They let me down. They let me down. Welcome to heartbreak. They let a really great opportunity slip by them in their loss to Mississippi State a couple weeks ago. That score was 24-10. It didn't seem like much of a game at all. And it, it hurt my feelings. But they've got an opportunity to right the ship and be one of the top dogs in the ACC Atlantic with a win over Clemson. Clemson, if we take a look at them, they survived a scare against Georgia Tech in week three. That game was 14-8. to 14-8, if you can believe it or not. The year prior, I think Clemson put up like 67 points or something ridiculous on Georgia Tech. So this team is a shell of its former self, at least from an offensive standpoint. The offense is certainly not what it used to be. The defense still remains strong, which is which is good to see for if you're a Clemson fan. The Tigers defense has not allowed a touchdown through three games of the season, but that is going to end next week against NC State. They are going to score against Clemson. I am hoping they score enough points to beat the Clemson Tigers. This is the season. NC State, step up. Let's go. If you are legit, if you are real this season, you will beat Clemson and you will just run away with this damn thing. Please. I'm asking you. I'm begging. NC State over Clemson. In the Big Ten, I'm taking Wisconsin over Notre Dame. This is going to be a fun matchup. College game day will be out there in Chicago. I think Fox will be out there as well. They're playing this matchup at Soldier Field where the Bears play. This is going to be a fun fun weekend of college football. If you're around the Chicagoland area, if you're around the stadium for this game, I just think you're going to have a great time. Notre Dame is officially, unofficially Chicago's team. Wisconsin has got a, a pretty big contingent of alum in the city of Chicago. So this is going to be a fun matchup at Soldier Field. Like it can't, You can't go wrong. We're getting closer to fall, and technically when this game kicks off, we will already be in fall. Uh, my birthday is actually the start of the fall season on September 22nd. So the first game of the fall season 
And you cannot go wrong with falls in Chicago. It's very beautiful. You're on the lakefront. I'm hoping for good weather. I wish I could be at that game because I'm sure this will be fun atmosphere. But I am taking Wisconsin over Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame has survived as best they can these past three games of their season. They beat Purdue 27-13 this past weekend. They survived against Toledo, a MAC team. And then they beat Florida State in the first game of the season. That went to overtime 41-38. to But they are not going to get so lucky now. I said this on my first podcast of the season. Notre Dame has a very tough slate of games beginning with Wisconsin. So beginning this weekend against Wisconsin is when it's really going to get difficult. It's really going to get hairy (laughs) for Notre Dame. So they have Wisconsin this weekend. Then they face Cincinnati, which has looked red hot already through three weeks of the season. Then they're playing Virginia Tech, followed by USC, then North Carolina. I mean, we're talking these next five games are serious. If they are able to win out these next five games, I mean, they are worthy of all the conversation about, you know, should they be a playoff team or not? Realistically, I don't think they're going to survive this slate. I think at best they might come away with one victory, maybe two. But I'm thinking, you know, they go one and four during this slate of games, and it's going to be difficult. I mean, it's I'm not going to try to cut any. I'm not going to pull any punches here. I mean, this is that's going to be a really difficult slate of games. So we shall see what happens to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish after this upcoming weekend against Wisconsin. It's going to be crazy. Like I said, game day will be out there. It'll be fun, no doubt. But I just don't think. Notre Dame is going to be able to survive this weekend. I think earlier in the season, preseason, I, I predicted them to go 7-5. and five. So we'll see. I mean, their first three games of the season, they, they won, which is the, the most important thing to win because all that counts is that win and loss record. But I don't think they're going to get so lucky this weekend against Wisconsin. So I'm taking the Badgers over the Irish. And then in the Big 12, I'm taking Duke over Kansas. I think Duke will continue to roll. Kansas is Kansas. So that shouldn't be much of an issue there for Duke. They'll get the victory. In the Pac-12, I'm taking Oregon over Arizona. That should be slight work for the Ducks. And then in the SEC, I'm taking Florida over Tennessee. They had a really tough game this past weekend against Alabama. They came back. We're within a few points of winning that game. I think Florida is looking like a team to be taken seriously this season out of the SEC. So there we have it, my friends. Those are my week four locks of the the weekend. In the ACC, NC State over Clemson. In the Big Ten, Wisconsin over Notre Dame. In the Big 12, Duke over Kansas. In the Pac-12, Oregon over Arizona. And in the SEC, Florida over Tennessee. So there we have it, my friends. After the short break, We'll uh, recap a few week three matchups that had my interest over this past weekend, and then we'll preview a few of the games in week four. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. <laughs> they don't do it That's like good. That. Okay, cool. So uh, who says what? So I'm We're saying. Podcast. You say that? So I'm saying five. Beth? Four. Three. Two. One. one. Hey there. I'm Dave. I'm Beth. And I'm Veronica. 
and we are the Happy Hour. We're a podcast dedicated to the most decorated NHL franchise of all time, the Montreal Canadiens. A casual listen by Habs fans for Habs fans. We have new episodes every week, so have a listen. Bye. Bye. Want to know what life is really like after the game is all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts join the show, and there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration, plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Everybody, welcome back to the show. Now I'm going to get into some of the week three games that really have my interest. We'll start off with Nebraska versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma gets the victory 23-16 to against the Cornhuskers. I think Oklahoma was favored by like 23 points, I want to say, coming into this game. Everyone seemed to be so bullish on Oklahoma. But if you follow me on Twitter, I do my little video each Friday promoting the podcast, and I said that Nebraska would upset Oklahoma. I was wrong, but it was it was a very close game, 23-16. to 16, And the reason I said what I said and made that prediction was because I don't think Oklahoma is for real yet. I really just don't think they are going to win the Big Ten this season. I don't think they're as talented as the rankings may have you believe I think the rankings are a little misleading there and I I thought Nebraska would have an opportunity to upset Oklahoma I I thought this would have been a great win for the program a great win for Scott Frost who's looking for anything good to hang his hat on you know his tenure has been rocky to say the least and so I thought Nebraska would have an opportunity to upset Oklahoma and boy were they close This game was the 50th anniversary of the game of the century where number one Nebraska beat number two Oklahoma by a score of 35 to 31. The programs had a very fierce rivalry in the Big East and the Big 12 conferences with Nebraska winning five national titles and Oklahoma claiming four between 1970 and 2000. This was the first meeting since 2010, right before Nebraska left the Big 12 for the Big 10. And it was a really close contest. Like I said, they were favored, Oklahoma was, by 23 points for Nebraska to make it a game like they did. I mean, you got to give them some credit there because I don't think anybody else outside of me thought that Nebraska would upset Oklahoma. So it was quite the game. I felt like Oklahoma would quickly respond to anything Nebraska would do. So Nebraska scored a touchdown and Isaiah Cole blocked the extra point and Pat Fields returned it like 100 yards, literally 100 yards for two points. And it was it was crazy. It was electric. It took all the, the air and all the steam out of Nebraska for them to score a touchdown the way they did and then have it blocked by Oklahoma, and they return it for 100 yards. It just electrified the stadium because this was in Oklahoma, and it just negated pretty much all the work that Nebraska did. I just I feel like that was the theme for this game. There was also a memorable interception, a sensational one-handed interception by DJ Graham. So for everything Nebraska would try to do, Oklahoma would answer right back or they would have some sort of electrifying play 
and it would just take all the energy out of Nebraska. I give them credit. I really did want to see Nebraska upset Oklahoma. I thought this would have been a great story for this weekend, but it just did not happen that way. Oklahoma survives against Nebraska, but I don't think they're going to survive in the Big 12. I'm just calling that out now. You heard it on the Cherry Picking Podcast. Oklahoma is not going to win the Big 12 this year. Then we had Miami versus Michigan State. You know, this is another team, another game that I thought Michigan State would have the advantage in. I think Miami was favored. I don't know what the line was coming into this matchup. I can't recall. But Miami was definitely favored to win this game. It may have been like three points or something like that. But Michigan State going on the road, getting a huge victory against Miami, this only helps Michigan State build up more momentum as they are heading into the Big 12. Michigan State is looking like one of the better teams out of the conference. They're one of the most fun teams in college football this season. They've had some great games. The team has looked phenomenal. I got to give a shout out to my guy, Peyton Thorne, from Naperville Central High School, where I'm from. He's from Naperville. This kid is balling out, and he has led Michigan State to an undefeated record so far this season. This was a huge win. This is a statement victory for Michigan State, and I think they're definitely going to be a team you're going to have to look out for in the Big Ten this season. Out of the Big Ten East, and Big Ten East is looking crazy right now because Ohio State is not looking very good at all. I think it's anybody else's opportunity to try to beat them this season in the Big Ten. It, it's either Michigan State or it's Penn State. I think my money would be on Penn State, but don't count out Michigan State. Don't discredit anything they're doing in this game, anything they're doing this season. I mean, because they put up some points. They put up some yards against Miami. If we take a look at the numbers real quick, Michigan State, amassed 454 yards of total offense including 193 yards rushing good god they outrushed the hurricanes 193 yards to 52 that is crazy you think miami is a a, a better rushing team historically but michigan state flies into miami and just dominates them like that that's insane quarterback peyton thorne i'd mentioned him earlier He went 18 for 31 with 261 yards passing through the air. Four touchdowns, no interceptions. The big stud of the game was Kenneth Walker III. He had 172 yards rushing on 27 carries. That is outstanding. And then Jaden Reed also had a touchdown in this game. So the offense was clicking on full cylinders for Michigan State this weekend. Tough loss for Miami. I don't know where we go from here. You know, I think... Miami was going to be a team that I thought could probably finish in second in the Coastal, but I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm not sure who is consistent out of the Coastal this season. UNC gets a, a solid victory over Virginia. I thought Virginia had a chance to upset North Carolina, and it was close for, for a good portion of that game, and then UNC pulled away, and it was a blowout at the end. So North Carolina is doing what they need to do to potentially win the conference here this season. Outside of North Carolina and maybe Virginia Tech, I'm not really sure who you can count on because Pittsburgh even had a loss to, to Western Michigan. So it's it's kind of crazy this season. I feel like all these teams are still trying to figure out how to play football again. I, I'm really curious to see who's going to come out of the Coastal this season. My prediction was UNC and then Miami, but again, who is consistent? That's the key word, consistency. 
and we will just have to wait to see who comes out consistent throughout these next few weeks of the season. Aside from that, we had Alabama versus number 13, Florida. That game was crazy. Florida survives a scare because it was looking like Alabama was going to blow them out in the first half. And then Florida comes back, you know, they're within a few points of beating Alabama. You know, some people are saying that even in a loss, this was a good, good uh, moral victory for Florida. So take that how you may, I guess. But Florida will have another chance to potentially see out to see Alabama again if they uh, can run through the SEC East and if they can beat Georgia, you know they'll have an opportunity to see Alabama again in the championship game. So maybe, you know, you kind of learn your opponent in this game and then come back, you know, in the second opportunity if you get that chance to face them in the SEC championship game. So you know we'll see there, but they hung around with Alabama. I thought it would be a close game. I, I initially picked it picked Florida to beat Alabama, but Alabama just looks too good. They just they they make very few errors. This team is very well coached, as you all know already. But I will wait patiently for that SEC championship game. I'm assuming Alabama will be there. And it'll either be Florida or Georgia. And we will have a treat at the end of the season, no doubt about that. Then we had Auburn over Penn State. I watched this game from start to finish. I watched this with a buddy in Philly. And it was a crazy atmosphere. Whiteout game at Penn State against Auburn. Penn State hung in this game. They fought hard. That defense looks legit. This defense looks like it's the real deal. And playing the way they did against an Auburn team that I, I thought would have too much for Penn State. I just thought the skill and the talent level of the SEC would just be too much for Penn State to try to overcome. And with all the conversation this past week about James Franklin potentially having some interest in the USC job, which I think is a little crazy that USC fired Clay Helton during the second game of the season, after the second game of the season, and you just have this vacancy open. You're gonna to try to figure out, you know, who's the next coach. You want to be, you want to be a home run hire. So James Franklin is a name that has been mentioned. You know what? What is he supposed to say? Like what? What is a coach supposed to say during the season? Oh yeah, I want that job. Like is it likely that he would just quit his job at Penn State and go to USC? No, or any any coach that's coaching currently in the NFL or college level. I just don't. I don't understand why you, one, couldn't have fired Clay Helton before the start of this season if you wanted to make a change, or why not just wait till the end of the season to see if he can turn it around. You're telling me, after you fire him in the, after the second week of the season, that you never really believed in him, you never really wanted him to be there, and he was just a placeholder. And so you just figured, whatever, we'll just get rid of him now. And just start our search. And I, I heard they're not going to use a search firm to help them assist in this process. But there's rumors going out that you know Luke Fickle could be a potential name. That Urban Meyer could be a potential hire. That James Franklin is also uh, a potential candidate for this job. And everybody's pretty much said no or I'm not interested or or had some sort of variation of that. I don't know where it leaked from. I don't know if it's, it's valid or if it's or if it's even reliable information that there is apparently some interest there from James Franklin. But what purpose does that serve during the season? Why would you even hint at that? That's just a very bold move. 
And if it's to get more money out of Penn State, that seems a little crazy. But, uh, you know, to each their own, you do what you got to do. I just think it's in bad form and bad taste to leak out any sort of interest to another job when you were coaching in week three of the season in a big matchup against Auburn. I, I honestly thought that that would be too much for the team to overcome, that there, there'd be too much focus on this outsized noise about their head coach potentially leaving to take a job at USC. And up until this point, I, I just I didn't think that James Franklin had enough big wins on his resume to warrant him getting this attention to go to USC. This is a game that was a big win. No doubt, this is a great win for his resume. This is a great win for the program. But he doesn't have enough of these at Penn State for him, in my opinion, to warrant this attention to go to USC. His record at Penn State is pretty good. I think he's like 63-13 and 13 or something like that. But he just, they haven't been consistent. They haven't come through in the clutch. But this is a season where, again, Ohio State is looking like they aren't the team they used to be they're they're not the team they used to be just a season ago that defense is not is not good they're going to rely on that offense to try to power them through these games and I I just don't know they have enough offense to beat Penn State I don't know right now after seeing Michigan State handle Miami that they have enough offense to beat Michigan State because Michigan State is putting up some offense y'all like they are balling out over there in East Lansing so this is going to be a very different Big Ten East this season, and I'm really excited to see how it all shakes out. So those are some matchups from Week 3 action. It was really exciting, really fun. I was out in Philly with my buddy Brandon, and Philly is a huge Penn State city. Like, there's a ton of Penn Staters here, and they were all out in the city, you know, having a good time, and it was a fun atmosphere. It was, it was great to watch this game. I, I had predicted Auburn would beat Penn State. I was wrong, but it was still pretty cool. It was a cool time. There were a, a group of, of young women sitting across the table from where my friend and I were sitting. And as I was leaving, you know, they asked me, you know, who, who was I rooting for? And I said, oh, I was just, just watching the game because I didn't want to say I was rooting for Auburn because I feel like they probably would have jumped me. And I didn't want to say Penn State because I didn't want to I didn't want to go out like that. I told my buddy that I picked Auburn initially. I didn't want to be like, oh, I was rooting for Penn State because that makes me seem kind of crazy, kind of flaky. Um, so I just said, you know, I was just watching the game, and that was that. And I don't know if they were trying to initiate the conversation with us, but we were actually heading out of the bar anyway. So I was just kept it brief. I was like, look, I was rooting, you know, watching the game, and it was a good game indeed. And then, you know, we bounced out. So that was that was cool. And I'm looking forward to see seeing you know what Penn State can do the rest of the season. We got week four games here real quick. I'll just rattle them off. We got Texas A&M versus Arkansas. This will be a really interesting game because I want to see how real Arkansas is. They've had some really impressive victories thus far through the season. They are a ranked team. Texas A&M comes into this matchup ranked as well. This could be a fun, fun matchup. And don't sleep on Arkansas. That's all I'm going to say. Arkansas has looked really good really dominant, and this is going to be a fun matchup. We've got Iowa State versus Baylor. Iowa State is like 2-1. and one. Baylor is undefeated. This is a pretty important game in the Big 12 for sure. In the Pac-12, we've got UCLA versus Stanford. Before this matchup, or before Week 3, I would have told you for sure UCLA would have this matchup against Stanford hands down, but I'm not so sure of that. Stanford is looking like they may be 
good again. And so this could be a good matchup. I don't I don't know who I'd pick right now if I had to make my prediction today. Then we've got West Virginia versus Oklahoma. This is going to be a really important matchup. I think Oklahoma is ripe for an upset this weekend against West Virginia. West Virginia's offense looked like it was clicking on full cylinders last weekend against Virginia Tech. My one concern for, for West Virginia is that that defense is going to have to hold up big time against Oklahoma. You can't allow what you did last weekend against Virginia Tech to happen against Oklahoma. You get out to a big lead and then you let Virginia Tech score 21 points to get back in the game. You're not going to get that opportunity with Oklahoma. They're a much better offense than Virginia Tech. So if you have a lead, you need to just keep the throttle down full go against West Virginia and you're against Oklahoma. And you're going to need to hope that your defense can hold up. But West Virginia has a great opportunity and it would be a great win for the program if they can beat Oklahoma. Then lastly, we got North Carolina versus Georgia Tech. This is a, an interesting game right here because Georgia Tech hung in against Clemson last weekend. North Carolina had a, an impressive victory against Virginia this past weekend. Both of those programs were undefeated heading into week three action. North Carolina was able to pull away. I want to see what Jeff Collins and his Yellow Jackets can do against a North Carolina squad that is better than them. But they just hung in with Clemson a week ago. Can they hang in against North Carolina? That is the question. So it's going to be a fun week of, of games in week four action. I hope you all have a good seat and some popcorn, maybe a nice refreshment to watch the games this weekend. I cannot wait for all of this action to unfold and, and play out in front of our eyes. College football has been phenomenal through three weeks of the season. I want to see what week four has in store for us. So let's stay tuned and let's just have some fun. But I want to thank you all for downloading this episode. I appreciate you downloading the show. I appreciate you listening to this content. You can find all my content at cherrypickingsports.com. If you ever want to engage with me or reach out to me, hit me up on Twitter at cherry underscore picking. But again, I hope you guys have a great week. Please be safe. Have fun this weekend watching college football. And I cannot wait to talk to y'all again soon. Take care, everybody. Peace. Because Michigan State is putting up some offense, y'all. Like, they are balling out over there in East Lansing. Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin'. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.